what's going on champagne sharks this is trevor uh we have with us mario say hello to the people what's going on people this is um this is crazy i'm so used to still saying d i'm D Mill, <laughs> saying my first name oh uh, this is mario you can catch me on twitter at mdmill79 i'm currently enjoying one of my favorite snacks cheese it's so please forgive me if i'm if you hear me munching what's better cheese it's or cheese nips i i hate both but Oh, really? Oh, man. See, I can't be friends with you no more, man. Oh, man. Oh, actually, no, I, I got to stop because people have been complaining I hate too many things. Someone the Coley said I'm insufferable because I hate too oh, many God. things. So I got to be more positive. <laughs> but but uh, I like cheese, but I don't like cheesettes or cheese nips. I don't know. Oh, but man. um, which one is better? Is there a difference between Not a big fan of cheese nips at all. But, you know, so there is a difference. Cheeses, yeah. Okay. I have, to, I have to meditate on that. And we have with us Andre. How's it going? My name is Andre Demise, contributing editor at McLean's Magazine. You can find me on Twitter at Andre Demise. Now, what is your take on cheeses versus cheese nips? Or do you have the President Choice version? <laughs> I don't really, yeah, I don't really eat a lot of like uh, cheesy foods or, or junk foods, to be perfectly honest. So I don't, I don't have a, a dog in this fight. Wait, wait, you don't like Smart cheesy man. food or you don't like cheese? Cause that's a big difference. No, I, well, no. So I, I happen to like uh, Italian food and Jamaican food very much, with both of which incorporate cheese. But like, mm. like cheesy junk food, I don't, I don't really do that. Wait, Smart there's, man. There's cheese in uh, Jamaican food? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Bun and cheese, yeah, we, I know. We, oh my gosh, you you don't really know about the the bun and cheese thing, eh? Like the no 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 bun and cheese, I know, but the rest. No, but of the, you, do you don't know about like the the like the tin cheese? So our our cheese our, our cheese does not come like in a plastic packaging. It doesn't come in like single slices. It comes in a big, a big block? container. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my friend had this thing. Yeah. And big, our cheese our cheese is actually like more like dessert food, if anything. Y'all, yeah. Jamaicans gotta do everything different somehow, but in a good way. Like, yeah. Well, I was actually having a, a pretty lively discussion today. Um, we had like the uh, the regular diaspora wars where people were talking about what's the proper pronunciation, uh, plantain or plantain. Oh my god! It, and and because I happen to be somebody who studies um, environmental history, and right now I'm working on uh, the Caribbean, um, I actually uh, went and ha had to figure this one out for myself. So it turns out plantain is the correct pronunciation. Oh wait, 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 wait! No, no, no! I'm a that you had to look it up like any Caribbean person knows <laughs> could have told you I know yeah yeah there's, there's no plantain is just white people reading something but not knowing anybody to actually pronounce it for them yeah, yeah that's yeah, what yeah. that's my theory about how plantain started they saw it they're like I actually don't know anybody who's not white to tell me how this is pronounced so I'm going with plantain and that's my unofficial uh Theory, but I'm sorry. You know, you know what it's like. It's like uh, when when I when I heard black people start saying the word cray cray, I'm like, you've been hanging around too many white people, and I kind of that's how I feel with plantain or plantain. Yeah. You ever you ever hear like uh, uh, white people after the after uh, you know the the Jay Z and Kanye song? Um, Kanye would say that's just cray, mm -hmm. and yeah. then white people for some reason had to add an extra cray on there, so they would say cray cray. And then when I heard black people start saying that, I'm like, where where did you where did you get that from? So when I hear black mm. people saying plantain, I'm like, who you been hanging out with? I feel that way with um I've said this before I don't want to repeat the story but I feel that way with the word dealio when uh it was supposed to be like what I, I knew you were gonna think yeah 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 <laughs> I hate dealio a friend of mine just texted me last week uh what's the dealio with I'm like oh my god first off it's 2019 but nobody it's says dilly that comma anymore. yo like like it's uh <laughs> stop it. Uh, enough of that well actually I'm gonna say one thing more in praise of uh, Jamaicans I'll say this. Uh, Mario, do you know what I think makes uh, Jamaican people the coolest people in the diaspora? What's like that? Every 
country or place in the diaspora can is can be cool, can do very cool things. Like, you know, for example, like you listen to rap, jazz, whatever. Jamaicans are the only ones that can make something that should be incredibly corny on paper. Uh cool. Like like uh Jaggy, like Boom Bastic, Hot mm-hmm. Sneeze. Mm-hmm. No one but a Jamaican can make a lyric like that cool. Like like uh that song, everything. Jamaicans can make anything sound cool. They were using yeah. that shit in uh, Carl's Jr. commercials. That shaggy, bombastic. Yeah, yeah. Thing. They were using like, that like, like it's, it's easy to rap about guns, but sh- but shaggy, shaggy's, shaggy's American, though. He's he's American, oh, but he's of Jamaican descent. I he's of Jamaican background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we okay. alternate between claiming him and not claiming him. So basically, like <laughs> depending just, on how like, well he's doing, Andre. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> at <his whack> moments. <laughs> at, his, <laughs> at his whack moments, I just like his. It wasn't me moments. Right. That's, that's what he's. That's what he's an American. Ah, right? uh, got like, but when like when when uh, old Carolina was putting dance hall on the map, that's when we claimed him. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. You, so you guys are too different from what everybody else does with the, yeah, with the claim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the same same thing is happening to Sean Paul. Sean Paul's Jamaicanness, like it comes in and out like the tides. Really. <laughs> yeah. here's, here's a funny little story. Well, it was not really a story, just a factoid. Shaggy moved in uh, next door to my mom for like a year. Oh wow. oh, wow. In, in Long Island, just a regular house in Long Island, like the Shaggy was there. And he would just mm. always have these cookouts all the time with people coming over. And I, I just don't know why he was there and he was gone. But I mean, it's not a fancy neighborhood or whatever. He just had like a regular house by my mom. And he was just there for a while. And nobody bothered him. He just had people over all the time. That's like, what you do when you're laying low from gunman. Mm. Oh, oh, is that what actually? I'm just I'm, I'm playing around, but uh, oh, man. that is that is that is that is part of the formula, you know. If you if you're gunman seeking you out, you go and you lay alone for a bit it's out in the suburbs somewhere. Yeah, I know mm. a couple of those. I know some musicians. I don't know if uh, if it's specifically with you know people with different genres do it, but I know um, some of those guys. They'll get a place, you know, just middle of no, not middle of nowhere, but just you know, um, an undescript regular. You wouldn't think he was staying here kind of place. And, you know, they'll go in there during a period of when they're trying to get creative and do music and things like that. And they'll stay there for a while until they're done with whatever project they're working on and then get the hell out of there. So could be that. Never know. This is the last thing I'll say on the topic before we get to the real topic. But like even something like Old Carolina, like, OK, it's easy to rap about guns, hoes, weed and sound mm. cool. Like, you know, I can rap or whatever or do a crazy dance. But Old Carolina, only a Jamaican can make that a slamming a slamming thing to put in a song. Like, okay. Like, the Jamaicans could do Old McDonald Had a Farm, make a dance hall version of it, and that shit will slap. So, uh, yeah, that's my case for Jamaicans being the, in the yeah. diaspora. See, see, you know, see, see, Andre, like, being a true Jamaican, he won't even fake humility. He won't be like, oh, no, no, we're not the coolest. Like, he just accepts it. Yes. What are you, yes, ta- what are you talking about, fake humility? We're bossy, bossy people. We don't... No, exactly. No, exactly. I say Jamaicans don't even fake humble. They, no, we don't do they, humility. They, they don't. You could have, like, the most minor accomplishment. Yes. You could, like, have, like, beaten your friend at, at Domino's, like, three years ago, and that's the achievement that you're coasting off of. And you're still going to be talking about it three years later. Later. And not just, like, with your friends when you beat in Domino's, but, like, literally everybody. Like, I, will, I, will tell, I, I will tell you... about for a job interview, all right? And then, the, the you know, your, your uh, hiring manager will be, like, like reading down your CV and like, oh what what is this uh, hobbies uh, given man's six what could you explain that to me like <laughs> we have no humility whatsoever. I will tell you how much Americans believe in themselves. First off, the Reggae Boys thing when the Reggae Boys first came out and they thought they were going to take the World Cup and sincerely believed it. That was like <laughs> that was like one moment, but. I will, t- I will tell you the most uh, Jamaican moment I saw in person was I was in a Chinese restaurant and uh, this Jamaican teenager came in 
And he looked in the wall and he said, Curry Goat? And these guys trying to be Jamaican? And I was like, holy shit. This dude thinks Jamaicans invented curry. Like, his oh. family did not tell him anything. Oh. And I was like, wow, that's... That's audacious. I can't uh, if you if you want to, uh, yeah. If you if you talk about uh, inventing curry goat, that like Jamaicans did that, and you say that in front of like a Trini or a Guyanese, oh person, yeah, yeah, you might end up in the ER with cutlass wounds. <laughs> but the fact that they could believe it, only a, only a Jamaican kid could uh, grow up believing that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 odd to me. I think that's actually one of the ones that we don't even really touch. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Oh, oh wait, wait, hold on. We have uh, no. He must say they invented curry goat. He said they invented curry, just general. Invented curry? What? Yes, he thought okay, they just invented does, curry. Take. <laughs> credit for other people's accomplishment does sound like us so never mind that's really funny uh hey so kenny's here so we're ready for the topic yo kenny you're just in time we're just yo 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 what it, what's good what's the actual good? topic uh, good, give a quick interrupt introduction sorry for the interruption but uh this is kenny um oh lord he's coming with a smooth jazz voice <laughs> no that's his, that's his runaway slave voice after he got banned he's like laying low now he doesn't want to lay low waves anywhere now via another twitter page that i don't know some people are catching on that it's me um <laughs> but you can find me on the 503 podcast page and yeah you know what's good, guys? Right? Report that page too, right? <laughs> Somebody is saying they go. Kenny might move out to the suburbs. Let's see your mom, right? <laughs> right. Hide out, yeah. Hide out. Uh, so now it's perfect. The gang's all here. I want to talk about Harriet, and I'm going to warn people right now. We're going to do a lot of episodes on Harriet because there's so much fuckery on so many levels. This episode is just, for the most part, trying to stick to the movie. You know, as in like, yo. Here's a review in a movie, and as it warrants, you know, we're going to work in a lot of the real-world fuckery around the movie, including, like, what happened before, off-screen, things to add context. But for the most part, we're going to be talking about the movie, but there's so much, like, real-world ramifications, impl- implications, um, all these blue checks or striver climbers just really invested in pushing this movie like their life depends on it or something. And all types of weird stuff that, I mean, we're going to go into a lot of levels about this movie. So we're going to be revisiting it a lot because I figured if we try to squeeze in all the fucked up things about this movie in one episode, we're not. Re- it's going to be claustrophobic it's gonna be uh insufferable you know because i think this movie is going to be a major watershed moment in um the black culture wars and uh and just black movies and a lot of different things it's gonna be kind of a flashpoint in a way a lot of people are underestimating because a lot of people are just really fed up the discourse like this is this is the straw that broke a lot of people's backs and Andre, I think you and I were talking about how there's a lot of people that we didn't think had a lot of integrity or didn't want to make waves that we've seen just uh, been like, you know, fuck this movie. Fuck the people caping for it. And yeah. mm. and there's people who I, we thought would have more integrity caping for it. And a lot of things are turned upside down. So I feel like we're going to have to revisit this a couple of times and let it unpack. But for the most part, I figured we can talk mostly today about the movie, you know, a little bit about the extra circus around the, the movie the next time we can talk about the actual circus and i think mario didn't see the movie which i like because i want to use him as you know a proxy for an audience member who didn't see the movie so he can kind of ask the questions that right. an audience member who, who uh, hasn't seen the movie might have so i think it's so basically it's uh andre kenny and myself who have seen the movie and mario is going to kind of be like the proxy for the person listening uh, who hasn't seen the movie to kind of, you know, ask the questions and stuff like that. So 
since Andre's a guest, I'll let you uh, go first with your thoughts about the movie. Feel free to start anywhere you want to start. If you want to start with a summary, if you want to start with your thoughts, go ahead. Yeah, I guess uh, what really bothered me, okay, when I watched the movie the first time, it was at the Toronto International Film Festival, and I'll admit I was a bit distracted because I was at a screening that seemed, I'm not, I guess like people around me were perhaps with the press and they were going to be reviewing the movie, so there was a bit of like, a little bit of whispering and, and note-taking and so on. Um, and I guess my impression of it was that it, it kind of seemed to be like a middling, like very forgettable, um, and I think like historically flat movie. And I kind of assumed that when it got wide release, it was going to be commented on and then probably probably forgotten about kind of the way that um the long walk to freedom movie starring idris elba about uh, the life of nelson mandela um you know while it was i guess you know a, a, a groundbreaking movie in terms of like you know where the uh, the genre is turning towards uh black biopic starting you know bankable hollywood stars um that was also released and then commented on and then forgotten about i guess what i didn't expect was going to be uh the the sheer number of like people in the media and not just the media but also the academic class just really pushing this movie um i i didn't comment on on it at the time because i thought okay this movie has uh several parts that to me are just insulting uh it's got um a, a fair degree of like historical flattening not just inaccuracies but straight up like inventing from whole cloth and then flattening harriet tubman's story so i didn't think anything of it but it was just really surprising to me you know the uh, the reaction that it was getting um in the week or so prior to its release and you know having watched it again recently i, I picked up on a few more things um then a, a friend pointed this out to me the the movie is also really ableist and just the the amount of uh the amount of like uh, uh, dimensions and facets that it took away from Harriet Tubman and ascribed to what seemed to me almost like a, like a superhero story or like a superhero origin story, that was, I, I don't know, I, I have no idea how it is that anybody with knowledge on U.S. Uh, history of slavery or on Harriet Tubman's history specifically could watch this and say, I would want to bring my children to see this or I would want to bring people who are not as familiar with Harriet Tubman's story. I want them to see this movie. Um, that'll be their experience. That was just, it was really bizarre to me. Uh, I just want to say something real quick. You said, I don't see how anybody would want to bring children or someone unfamiliar with the story. I'll go one step further. On the craft level, this movie's so bad that I just don't see how you want to bring a friend. Because uh, it's just not entertaining. Like, like what you said is true about like the, the history and whatever, but just as a craft, just as something to watch like like even if there's like a lifetime movie about something to someone totally fictional like i just wouldn't want to bring anyone to see this i guess it's not just a social irresponsibility of this movie but it's just to me i don't know how you feel about this ken it just wasn't to me just good it just was really amateur hour i cannot believe this is the movie that people are talking about as oscar bait yeah, it even yeah the movie the movie itself is just for someone that wants to go watch a movie there's a lot of uh historically inaccurate movies that are good movies you know yes. um the Godfather of Harlem uh, show that's out right now. It's a good show. Most of the stuff in there didn't happen, but it's a good show. This movie just isn't good. And for, yes. for me, from a historian's point of view, I know a lot about Harry Tubman. I know a lot about black history, things like that. It was, you can tell when you're watching it, why they did it. And then the first thing, and I think maybe me, you and Mario talked about this a while ago. We knew that there was going to be like some type of spin on it where they were going to try to make this into some type of presentism in a film 
create their own, create an idea of what they believe it should be about instead of just telling the damn truth. And we've seen that. We see that because look at the responses of the people that's been caping for it. Yep. This is this was their whole point. And and the hilarious thing to me is that they tell on themselves. Like it'd be a good idea if you just shut up and just let people watch it and then don't worry about but when this you're the coming out problem so hard they tell on themselves. Yeah, they tell on themselves so yeah, fast. Yeah. When no, but come, the big problem with they tell on themselves so much is because they think they're smarter than everybody. Yes. That's the problem. Yes. And we talked about this, and I know we're gonna go into this probably in a, a couple more episodes, but the people that are caping for it, you can see like, okay, yeah, I see what you're doing. Like, I get it. Okay. You know, you're not fooling anybody. I see where this is going. You have, you have one, you have an axe to grind against certain people. And you want to use Harriet Tubman for your own whatever you got going on. And that's what they've done. The good thing about it is like, it's like uh, Andre was saying is that there's a lot of people that, you know, I thought had no integrity. And they're even saying like, hold on, dude, like this is bullshit. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people out here that I thought had no scruples. They're like, nah, no, this isn't a good look. And they're doubling down. You just never know when there's a bridge too far for some people, man, or when there's a when there's that invisible line that people cross, you know, what's going to set certain people off. This seems yeah, to be uh, one of those times. Yeah. Mario, I think it disappeared for a second, but I was saying that uh, I want you to function as the person who hasn't seen the movie, you know, like, like as a, as a stand-in for like the audience member who... You know, because you still haven't seen the movie, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. So, like, feel free to ask a lot of questions or whatever, because it'll help us keep in mind, like, you know, anything that the person who hasn't seen the movie yet might be thinking, you know? Okay, so, cool, cool. That's, that's and, perfect. And a lot of this stuff's going to sound so crazy. You're going to think we're making it up. I'm, I'm telling yeah. you. Yeah, okay. I was gaslighting myself. I'm like, I, I, I did not really see this. Like, like, I was watching a bootleg. I'm like, you know what? Maybe this bootleg is not the real thing. Like, maybe someone <laughs> put some practical joke uh, bootleg up there. It's like those but historical movies that you They didn't watched. give you the theatrical version. You got the, you know, the... Uh, you know, you know how when you're watching those, uh, you're watching yeah. like PBS and they're doing like a reenactment of an act that supposedly happened. That's what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it look like I, a movie. One question that I did have, though. Oh, go ahead. Go. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I thought it was like some kind of technological thing where someone was doing deep fakes and using like deep fake technology <laughs> to just make them say weird shit. Like, I honestly thought that. I was like, is this some deep fake shit? Especially the part where the the black bad guy, yeah. when they ask him what he wants the money for, and he's like, I could fuck some white horse from here to Atlanta. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, God. If someone dubbed that shit in, I'm like, I'm getting punked, aren't I? It's really, I wanted to ask this. Um just from the brief clips that I've seen, is 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 her her acting range? Is it really that limited to those facial expressions that I that I saw in some of the clips? <laughs> oh, She's got three. Oh. Really, um, Andre? Have you have you seen it? Yeah, uh, yeah I saw it. Okay, I, well, I've seen it. I've seen it twice. And I was I was saying to T that, uh, and he actually disagreed with me on this one. That it's almost like she comes from the the Jennifer Lawrence school of acting, where you show emotion by knitting your eyebrows together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, <laughs> wait, 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 to be clear, to be clear, I disagree that Jennifer Lawrence was as bad as her. Not that, not that she was bad because she really is that bad. But to me, at least Jennifer Lawrence, even though like her acting range isn't that great, when she shows up, I feel like she at least has some kind of presence. Like, like when she's in the X-Men movies and she's Mystique, like, you know, she can at least kind of 
make a presence in the room. Like, people like her in those movies and stuff. But, like, Cynthia Arriba has no charisma to me. I could not believe... No range. No range. I keep hearing about how much... These white people love her so much. Like, these white liberals are so in love with this woman. I was thinking, okay, maybe she's one of those people who I don't like as a person based on her quotes. But when I see her in action, she's pretty talented. I thought she was one of those type of people. But I'll give you an example. Uh, That girl, Aisha Tyler, that black girl, Mm -hmm. a lot of her jokes and a lot of things that she says, I don't really like her sensibility. And she just says a lot of things. She makes weird uh, swirl jokes, you know, talking about how she wishes she was in 12 Years a Slave with Fast Bright. Like, shit that I'm like, that's really gross. I can see how she's talented. Like, she has a presence. She has a personality. She laughs. She has a nice voice. You know, when I see her in Archer doing a voice, I'm like, okay, I don't really like what you stand for, but I can see someone who's not woke enjoying you. Whereas Arrivo, I just don't get it. I've heard her sing once uh, today. And I'm like, okay, her singing, I can kind of see. She can sing. I'll give her that, but she didn't. Is she originally a uh, a stage play actor, or a Broadway type deal, or what's her yeah, original yeah. background? Uh, this is only her third movie. She's uh, a theater person. Oh, she's a theater. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because I saw, um, <laughs> I heard certain people talk about her, you know, bucking her eyes throughout the movie, and I thought people were just exaggerating. But every scene that I've seen thus far, she literally has that. <laughs> oh no, where we going? Oh, yeah. You know that she literally <laughs> has that kind of look on her face every time I see her. I'm like, damn. She gave uh, it. Andre, she did, she did Harriet Tubman. No, no type of. Uh, she Harriet Tubman had no integrity, no dignity. Dude, dude, she was playing a better Mantan Moreland than she mm-hmm. was. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at one point, I thought she was gonna say, Feet don't fail me now. <laughs> I, I was ready for her to say that. I don't like Oh, damn. My mother's going to hear this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was... um. Okay, what I didn't appreciate was, like, when she escaped to the north for the first time, and, uh, you know, she was told by, like, a fruit vendor that, you know, you need to act like you belong here. That change didn't actually happen. Like, she kind of remained, like, really, like, stressed out and bug-eyed yeah. for most of the film. And I get that. Like, you have to convey a sense of danger. But, like, you know, if you look at, like, photos of Harriet Tubman and you read people's descriptions of what she was like, like... That wasn't her. Hell no. I mean, and when you're face, okay, first of all, you know, and this is sort of goes back to the uh, the ableist trope, which we are going to get back uh, that I I do want to circle back to. But when you're dealing with constant chronic pain um, and that pain was from a a head injury that she received when uh, an overseer struck her in the head with a heavy metal weight. Yeah. um, She was dealing with like constant headaches. She was dealing with narcolepsy. She was dealing with uh, hypnagogia, which is like when you fall asleep and you have sleep paralysis and you're completely aware of your surroundings but your body can't move oh, like damn. I- imagine living like that all the time and that's yeah. got to really wear on you and I-, I didn't get any of that from the movie what i got instead was like she was just this like scared like this uh this like doe like uh frail person that had to really deal with adverse circumstances mind you but i i didn't get that this is somebody that metamorphed from you know from uh from from an enslaved woman who under i mean most of the circumstances i don't know if you've ever read the biography of mary prince but uh mary prince was a um a slave uh, from Barbados that ended up in, uh, in 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 Britain, and the testimony of her life um, helped the abolitionist cause 
in Britain. But what she described was like her body was in constant pain just from the uh, the beatings and the injuries that she'd suffered. Wow. And you really get that by reading the biography of Mary Prince. Like this is somebody who's in constant pain for her entire life. So it, it steals her resolve. Mm -hmm. Like when you're dealing with that much pain throughout your life, really, what can these white people do to your your, your mental will? Right. And I, I did not get that from Cynthia Erivo at all. Not only that, So in a lot of films, oh, you have character development arcs, right? So she may have started out right. um, wary and, and not displaying as much courage. But then by the end of the movie, you would hope that you've seen some of that development. So it sounds like what you're saying to me is that never happened throughout the course no. of this particular No, and that never it was, happened. It was one, it was, like a, it was like a fixed gear bicycle the whole time. Okay, so one of the things that uh, people have to realize that, okay, so, you know, every time you guys see Harriet Tubman or a picture of Harriet Tubman, what do you see her with? A shotgun. Uh, You're with her, 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 uh, her gun. A gun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, Harriet Tubman was known. This is, and this has been said <clears throat> thousands of times that Harriet Tubman was pretty much a gangster out there. Like she was the type of person that if she's leading you to freedom and, and this happened a lot where a lot of slaves, enslaved Africans would want to turn back and she, yeah, lose their will, yeah. and she yeah. would pull her shotgun on them. And say, come on, you don't either you either you come with me now or you die. Yeah, that's Harriet Tubman. Harriet Tubman is not this person that was hiding in the bushes. And Harriet Tubman was very intelligent because she had been around and she knew the land. She knew the, the landscape of how to do these things. She had it so intricately set up like, you know, um, when they talk about the Underground Railroad, you know, it's almost you would think it's a damn train, like a, a real train. And she's a fucking conductor. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And in the movie, they didn't really put the people in that helped her with this. There was men and women that were a part of this thing where she could get you to a certain point and then they would take you the rest of the way. She didn't take you all the way there. Like, that's not how it mm -hmm. worked. You know what I mean? There was other people that played a part in this. And but in this movie, this but again, this movie was not about Harriet Tubman. This movie was about them. That's what this was about. That's why there's bigger long. This is about them. Um, I want to say something really who, who, quick. When about, you say um, them, who who do you mean them? Just, I think I know who you're talking about, but oh, I just yeah. want to make sure. Well, what I'm we're talking hey. about the people that we that have been promoting this book, the people that's mm -hmm. been caping for it. Like this is about yeah. them. I mean, even look at the name. Yeah. Of, what was the name of the book? She came, she came, to, she came, to, yeah, slay. She came to slay. Really? Yeah. It it, uh, it did come across to me as a bit of a signifying yeah. exercise. Like it's almost like a like a we made it film. You know? Oh my yeah. gosh, we, we actually just, just, we actually just, got to make this film. So we're gonna it, like you know imbue it with all of the traits that we would want to have. Yes. And figure that we revere so greatly. Yes. Uh, uh, and it's uh, like it's almost like aspirational politics instead of an actual movie. Yes. Movie. Andre, Andre, wow. you made a tweet about how wow. people now kind of watch things and they watch it. I'm not gonna do it justice. I don't know if you remember it but about how people just kind of the striver class kind of watches these things as fans but also they're watching it mainly because they want to be the person on the stage or behind the yeah yeah well it's, it's almost like larping to me yeah like, yes yes for, 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 for example the black the black you say lurking play, everybody L larping live action role play like when those um oh larping okay. a lot in the 90s when, yeah larping when these uh, these kids would like dress it up in like um like uh like rpg attire like they'd be like wizards or warriors yeah. or mm -hmm. maidens or whatever and they would like act out like instead of like playing a video game like a role-playing game they would act it out in real life and like throw actual like right. imaginary lightning bolts and like flame spells at each other. So basically, wow, instead right. of doing instead of doing Dungeons and Dragons on the board with the dice, they would actually dress up and do yeah. it uh, live action. Well, kind of how we say people action. cosplay, yeah. like people. Yeah, kind of how we say like people are doing like real life cosplay where they're just you know trying to. Um, dress up like the big brother or something like i, I give you an yeah. example the blackout night and slave play the way they were talking about it they weren't talking about the acting the plot the themes they were just talking about oh it's great to see all these people there oh 
uh, Jeremy O'Harris, you know, I love you. But they're all thinking, wow, I could be Jeremy O'Harris next year. He yes. was no one next year. That could be me. They're kind of really just single white femaleing the um, the playwright. Or oh, damn. They're kind of just fantasizing. They're not really there to enjoy art. They're there to kind of... And in, in his tweets, people were hitting him with, hey, I'm a screenwriter, you know, can you read my stuff? And it was... You know what it's like? Do you ever have back in the days, the stereotype of rap fans was they always carry a demo around with them? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, and, yeah. And uh, EPMD had a song like, uh, please listen to my demo and stuff. And there was that trope. I feel like this is the elevated version of that, what these blue checks do now. Like I've heard stories and I can't give the name of the celebrity or the reporter because then I'll give away who told me the story. I don't want to get this person in trouble. Somebody told me a story about how one of these black blue check people interviewed another a black actual celebrity not a blue check but like a real celebrity and then during the interview you had to give him a screenplay which is wow. like horribly no. uh, <laughs> horribly unprofessional oh my God. unprofessional and uh yeah. the interview wasn't really great because the whole interview was just kind of ass kissing uh, ass kissing it was just standing you know and yeah. then you can kind of tell why because i'm like okay if this guy is going to give this guy a screenplay then of course you can't slam him in the um interview and stuff but and, and this is something that you know we've talked about off air but these celebrities they don't really respect that either they know when you're a stan or an ass kisser like they'll they'll use it but i doubt these celebrities really uh get impressed by like what like, like i'm sure the, the celebrity didn't walk away and think man this guy's gonna be the next you know whatever you know to me just, to, probably, take it a, yeah, just yeah. to take it a step further i almost kind of feel like the way that you're talking about where you know a rap fan would like show up at a rapper's concert and you know cost them backstage or on the way out to their their bus um and try to hand them over their their mixtape or the cd or whatever it's almost like a lot of these people are trying to do that with like intellectual properties whether it's uh film music theater whatever but it's almost like the mixtape that they're handing over is their tweets. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, the, wow. when you when I when I was asking you guys about what the name of that book was, and you said she came to slay. I mean, why didn't they just instead of putting their name on there as the author, just put your Twitter ad on there? <laughs> <laughs> that's coming soon. That's really you know what I'm saying. Soon. Might as well. I mean, I'm sure because that's how they talk. I mean, these are these are supposed and you know these are supposed academics, right? And uh, <laughs> I don't know if you well, got. Here's the thing: is that they're not, not supposed to like it's it's actual academics, and like I mean, I, I can't get like too much into this because I happen to be in school myself, and I don't I don't want to like torpedo any chance. <laughs> <laughs> before I even, before I even get them, but what I what I, what I will say though was that like you know there's a a longstanding like uh, you know I don't want to say like argument it's more like a dialectic about um, you know how scholars academics etc should write you know do you want to write for the popular market uh, do you want to write for the uh, the the for for other scholars and so on and I happen to be on the side of like you should make your writing as clear as possible and make it accessible so that like it's not only uh, intelligible within the academy. Like you should be able to write something that is clear mm-hmm. to anybody who wants to pick up your book and read it. And I and I I will say that I do appreciate that lately it kind of feels like academics are writing for a broader market so that they are able to democratize and share knowledge. On the other hand, though, it's like stuff like that is not going to age well. It's you not going to age well yeah. at yeah, all. Yeah, using the current part, using the current parlance, using the current slang, but also sort of like um, getting on this, like uh, getting on board with the cultural zeitgeist where, you know, uh, figures that we respect are then, because they're already elevated in our minds as it is. Like, I think, uh, you know, of of uh, all people, like black people have a, a reverence for their ancestors, which in in my sacred, mind is like yeah. unmatched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we are, our, our revered figures are sacred because we come from a, a, a various cultures of people that engaged in ancestor worship and ancestor reverence, yeah. right? So that, that tradition yeah. is carried on. So it's like, you don't really have to gild the lily. You don't have to add 
all this additional stuff on it to make it um to make it, make uh, it into a know, intelligible to pop culture yeah i think just writing writing something that is intelligible to broad audiences like people are going to get it like you you stamp harry tubman's face on the front of a book and say this is a scholarly work but like, people are going to buy it that's well, that's my opinion well the problem is this is that they end up bastardizing it you know you, you end up starting to see martin luther king with a do-rag and all that kind of shit you know what i'm yeah. saying and it's like dude that is- <laughs> yeah yeah i would see that on like um when people like trying to promote like uh night yeah. yeah yeah oh man yeah i did i do remember seeing something yeah like and that, that and that's yeah. where and that's yeah. when you get yeah, stuck but, yeah, in but that not time. academics are doing it yeah but that and that's the problem now, my thing is this and and uh i know you guys i don't know if you guys paid attention to it. i'm sure you did but i like to find out because i'm a so-called academic i got a master's degree i went to college blah 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 that bullshit right i wanted to know what type of teachers these people were because they all teach and one of the things that i found is that they all sucked <laughs> because as an academic if I wanted to know if a teacher was any good, I'll go to ratemyprofessor.com to see what this person is about. And they all had the same problem. They're narcissistic bullies. And the same they, theme over and over again. And this is what they it. do on social media. This is what they do on Twitter. We see it. Like, they're doubling down on the bullshit, dude. Like, yeah, we were just like, it's, it's, chopping it's, shop a little bit early. Go ahead, bro. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'm just, no, no. Go ahead. Because it's, it's, it's scary to me because these are the people that you feed, you, you're feeding your kids to these people at these academic universities. And these are people with so-called PhDs, which don't mean shit. But mm-hmm. these are the people with these so-called PhDs that we see on TV doing town hall conversations and shit. And you're the same person that is saying all this other crazy stuff on social media. Your students hate you. Why the fuck should I listen to you? Why should I read a book that you wrote? So you can see a straight line of <laughs> straight line Absolutely. from what is being said about them from former but the, students but to yeah. what the crazy you thing see is, on social media. The crazy thing is they try to bully just regular grown folk like us who aren't in their classes. So can you imagine how they must bully actual students who they have power over? What, what did the one of the, I don't know if you guys read it, but one of the students said, they said the teacher was pretty good at giving information, but if you disagree with anything that she said, she'd give you a bad grade. Yeah, I remember reading that. I brought that up uh, when we were chopping shop. That's what they do on social media all day. All let, day. Let me, uh, let me, let me um, bring it back to focus on the movie a little bit, because since you guys all seen it, I want to get your take on this. When you put it in its proper historical context and everything, uh, you all know the story of Harriet Tubman very well, mm-hmm. uh, fairly well, I'm assuming. Okay, so we know that the movie was, would you say, is ahistorical the correct term to use? Or did they just take lots of liberties? Like, what would you say would be the way I to characterize say that, it? Um, okay. I, I think that what a lot of people have been doing, and I, I find this really irritating, is pretending that people's qualm with the movie is that it's historically inaccurate. And I don't think that, I, I mean, it, it kind of depends on like who you're talking to. You know, is it a person with like like 14 Twitter followers that's saying it's historically inaccurate, it's not up to my standards? Or is it actually people who, you know, uh, have, you know, whether they... Uh, write or whether they do media work or whether they have podcasts or basically like people who actually are able to like analyze film and discern okay so we know that narratives are going to be condensed we know that there are going to be such things as composite characters because you can't include like every single every person detail, that, right. yeah somebody right. uh, who you're doing the biopic about you can't include every detail and every encounter that they've had you do have to condense things right yeah but I, I think what I saw, at least on my timeline, and I would say it's fair to say that this was what was showing up on most people's timelines, is that people were saying, no, this is not a true story. Yeah. Like the film was marketing itself as the unbelievable true story of Harriet Tubman, comma, American legend. Mm. You're right, and, but unbelievable. And, uh, 
Oh yeah, the unbelievable true story. But the thing is, it's not believable because half of the story was not, or half of the film wasn't true. It wasn't true. Wow. I was actually generous because the first time that I, like, I saw it back in September, right? So it has started to fade from a bit of my memory. But I just remember, okay, so three of the main characters in the film, like around whom the film revolves, are completely fictional characters. So that is mm-hmm. like um, the uh, the 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 oh, son of wow. yeah, yeah the son of the plantation scion. So uh, Gideon Brodus, who is basically pursuing Harry Tubman throughout the film, the uh, the uh, the you know the, the young the young guy, the the the, the plantation owner's son, he didn't exist. There was no guy named Gideon Brodus in history. Andre, Marie Buchanan, Marie Buchanan, who was uh, you know the character played by Janelle Monae, she didn't exist in the movie. No, yeah, and, and what was weird was the father. Or she didn't exist. She didn't exist in history. She was made up for the movie. The slave owner father had four kids and they didn't put any of the four kids in the no. movie, but they made up a whole other kid and made him the only son. And that was this person that was in love with Harriet and tormenting them. So, so they basically erased four kids, put in a fake kid and they made the fake kid like this kind of Romeo and Juliet West Side Story type of uh, we're on different sides of the tracks, but there's something here. We're like star-crossed lovers, but it's unrequited. To their credit, they didn't make Harriet reciprocate whatever this guy was feeling, but there was some kind of weird connection there regardless. And I feel like if they could have gotten away with it, I feel like they would have. Wow. So listening to what you guys are saying, I don't even think you could define it as a historical. No, it's historical fiction. I was going to say, yeah, it's historical fiction. Yes. Which is really, which is really a shame because it's not like, um, with the life of Harriet Tubman, we have a lack of details. Like, we got plenty of information. One of the few yeah. historical figures where you, you you have a pretty good uh, wealth of historical information about where she came from and in her in her historical context and everything else. <laughs> this so, movie is like that. What was that yeah. movie called about the Abraham Lincoln fighting werewolves and shit? That's basically what. Lincoln. Avery Burks is there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. yeah, people were comparing it to um, to Birth of a Nation and saying, "Well, you know, those fictionalized elements in that too, and you didn't lose." But it's like, okay, but you. You can't even really like in terms of the amount of fiction that was introduced into the story this is actually closer to abe lincoln vampire hunter because the director casey lemons literally said she was trying to create a superhero narrative for harry yeah Tubman. and so that, wow. that's what it, so basically this is like the first entry in the boule comics universe yes and not only that but just to, just so everybody <laughs> wow. know there is not a lot of information about nat turner there's really only yeah one, i was just gonna say we not really especially relative to like someone like harriet uh, yeah. Tubman. there's not a dearth of information wealth no, of information about all. nat turner so you're gonna have to take liberties in in certain points right yeah that's that's kind of a given man so that's that's even worse than i thought man if you put it in the realm of historical fiction you know that that really um adds like, something there, there. To, there was enough there to hold it together in terms of like okay so the broad strokes are generally true but everything from like you know and can like literally tying up the broadest like uh tying up the the children um from the plantation uh, that that's uh, that she used to she used to be enslaved at, like encountering people and holding them at gunpoint, like you know white people holding them at gunpoint. Like Harriet Tubman was not apprehended, she was not captured, she was not caught. No, and that to me is an even more incredible story. That's a more unbelievable story. Right, so if you want to add a mystical element to it, that would be part of it, right? Like that would almost oh seem God. like some type oh. of divine intervention or or super heroic type thing to go through uh, the things uh, that she um, went through and not get caught or anything like that. That's amazing. Hey guys, why are you sitting crazy? Like, I'm looking for something that I wanted to read. Okay, this is a book called Slave Patrols. And Slave Patrols talks about how there's no record of... Well, Slave Patrols put out by Harvard Press. It talks about how there's no records of any black bounty hunters or um, 
you know, black uh, slave free black slave patrols, right? And the Wikipedia article for slave for slave patrols said the same thing. Uh, and the Wikipedia article for slave patrols um, cited the book Slave Patrols. And this is what the um, thing says. It says, contrary to popular belief, slave patrols were not composed solely of men. Women who owned slaves also took part, meaning white women. So basically white women part of slave patrols, but no case of free blacks hunting slaves were recorded. People were putting this all over in these blue checks mentions, right? Uh, this passage. I had to go to Twitter to kind of find a screen cap of this passage, right? And it was from this book. Do you want to know today that passage is gone from the Wikipedia? Wow. What? Wow. No way. Wow. I they're they're just as bad as down. white supremacists. Damn. No, not, not white supremacists. I think it's probably the black blue checks. No, no, no. I said they're just oh. as bad as white supremacists. Oh, this is bad. Yeah, because people kept owning them because a lot of these blue checks wanted to defend this black man being a slave uh, catcher in the movie, a bounty hunter, using all this like circumstantial evidence, or whatever. But the fact that this book by Harvard Press, uh, like the stuff they were using had no citations, was speculation. Uh, and the white woman who was a uh, the white woman who was consultant for the film on history, she even was trying to make reaches. She goes, oh well, there was a guy called uh, Thomas Outwell who you know was a bounty hunter, but he actually wasn't a bounty hunter. He was a guy who worked on the. Um, Here's who Thomas Atwell actually was, right? And she tried to um, exaggerate him into a bounty hunter. Uh, Thomas Atwell was this guy who was a conductor on the Underground Railroad. He was black. At one point, he actually helped Harry Tubman in the past. But at one point, I guess he got greedy. He decided to sell out these eight slaves called the Dover Eight for a $3,000 reward. So this is what happened. Tubman had told the fugitives to contact Thomas Atwell. Now, note, Atwell didn't betray Tubman, right? Um... A free black man, an underground railroad conductor in Dover, Delaware. Unfortunately, instead of guiding them north, the next step of the railroad, Otwell led them to the Dover jail in expectation of collecting a $3,000 reward. However, despite the betrayal, the Dover 8 were able to escape the jail. All of them eventually made their way to freedom. So people pointed out, that's not a bounty hunter. Like no. The guy in this movie is a shot-calling, by-trade, full-time bounty hunter who's allowed to walk around with a gun and shot call on white bounty hunters and whatever. This guy is just a guy who just snitched. He's someone who's an opportunist. Yeah, a, that's a stool pigeon. Yeah, that's yeah. a stool pigeon. And he didn't even get away with it. And it was like a one-time thing. It wasn't his profession. But this freaking professor who's working on something tried to straight up lie to black people. And when, because again, these people always think we're dumb. When people kept calling her out, goes, that's not a bounty hunter. You're just so stretching the definition of bounty hunter. She started like blocking people left and right. And, you know, wow. arguing with people and blocking left and right. And these are academics. So, so everyone kept hitting them with this thing from the Slave Patrols book. Also, uh, the Wikipedia had it. And I can't believe these people, one of them must have actually straight up took it out of the Wikipedia just to, uh, like, that's fucking terrible. Well, if the thing is that, um, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. I mean, you know, I, I, I consider myself fairly well read, but I don't know everything, right? But as far as I'm aware, and as far, like, as far as the scholarship that I've studied, I haven't actually seen documented proof of anything approaching, and, and I guess the reason we're talking about this is because of the character Bigger Long in the movie, which, like, the, the Freudian fucking implications of that or something else. But um, 
I haven't actually seen documented proof of that. What I have seen, um, and this is not just because there's a academic that I know who you're referring to, um, you know, who did imply in a in a book that uh, black slave catchers were a thing, but the reference was that there was a person that was accused of being a slave ca- or a slave catcher. And it wasn't actually a slave catcher. It was somebody who was like selling out the community, just like you were talking about, a stool pigeon. That's what I have seen is people who have been accused of being stool pigeons and have been accused of being possible slave catchers, but nothing to the extent where there has been documented evidence saying, okay, so this is who this person was. This is where they live. This is the community that they, uh, that they were in. And uh, these are the people that they delivered back into the hands of white slavers. I, I haven't seen anything like that. Yeah. And the other thing too is even if oh. pray tell, it did exist because all people could offer was speculation, right? But even if pray tell it did exist, it didn't happen to Harriet Tubman, you know? So, right. So, you know, you know, like, why did it have to be in this story? Because what so many people were doing, well, someone said, and this is actually another professor of African American literature actually said this to me. She said, well, you know, black men sold out every single slave rebellion yeah, in American history, which first off is not true. That's not true right? at all. Right. Uh, including Denmark VC. Right. But, and someone said, can you give a citation for every single slave rebellion being sold out by black men? Of course she ignored it, but of course, but she goes, including Denmark VC was sold out by black men. So, okay. First off, he was sold out by a black man. And some of the other ones were, not all by any stretch of the imagination, but the Denmark VC one and many of the others were sold out by people who thought, oh, this is going to fail. And if it fails, they're going to rain hell down on all the rest of us and whatever. That's still not a bounty hunter. So, like, so let, let's get this straight. Not a professional so this, bounty this is the thing but, about uh, history. But, I didn't but, mean, but, 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 hold on. Let me just finish this last go thing. Ahead, go hold ahead. That, hold that thought, right? All I want to say is, that will be like me saying, you know what? Because um, this woman threw hot grits on Al Green. <laughs> I should be allowed to put that in the Marcus Garvey <laughs> biopic because, you know, it happened, you know? So black women have been like uh, doing violence to men who have cheated on them. I can think of three times that has happened, you know, out of thousands of times. So it deserves to be in any biopic going forward. And and that's the logic they were having. That's all I wanted to say. This is, so this is how stupid yeah. these, I hate to call someone stupid. You know what I mean? It's one of the worst things you can call someone, but these, these people are stupid and stupid knows no bounds. So this is the, what they're not, they're not, not grasping. It has nothing to do with what your gender was if you told on the slave rebellion. Okay, that it could have been a black man, could a black woman. We were talking about and, 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 people, and people gave examples of black women who sold out we're, things too. And of we're course we're talking respond. about people who are under the worst conditions in human history. So in those conditions, you don't know what the fuck you might do. No, but remember, black men are co-patriarchs. Yeah, I forgot about that. Even though, even though you were at the level of a dog at that time. Well, not according to this movie, because remember in this movie and people, this really happened. Mario, this really happened. Yeah. Um, the, the, the slave catcher, Bigger Long, he, he, he takes command of the slave patrol and he tells uh, the guy says, I'm offering $300 and Bigger Long just straight up says, I'm taking 200 The rest of these crackers can split it amongst themselves. And it's like, get the fuck out yeah. of here. Nobody had a thing yeah. to say about nobody that. Had a thing nobody to had a thing about to that. say about that. Yeah, that's yeah, not history. Like, that's not history, the they, yo. The reason they were doing that is because they wanted to sell you the idea that black men were willing and yes. equal co-conspirators with white men during slavery. They were co and that's, and that's an idea that they created in their own fucking mind. Yep. It's the most phenomenal that, shit I've ever seen in my life. Did you notice that the white guy was using like niggers liberally around oh, yeah. the black guy? But in return... The black guy was, first of all, I think it's anachronistic. I don't know if, if it was used in full, in common usage, but he kept saying crackers, crackers, and oh, crackers yeah. to, the, to the slave. And I'm like, no white guy is going to let 
a black guy use slurs about white people liberally around him like back then. And I have like, to check you know, into it, but I, I got to yeah. make sure that that word cracker was something that black people use because this is what, 165, 75 years ago. Yeah. I don't yeah. even know if black people use that word at that That's time. Why I That's why I say it was anachronistic. And uh, and uh, Jan- Janelle Monet's character used it too. She, yeah. she, she called them crackers. And it's why like- did they just call them jive turkey honkies? <laughs> shit this shit is uh, phenomenal man oh the, the one thing that I did notice though is that uh, so there was actually two uh, slave catchers I forget the name of the um uh, the younger guy, right? The one, the but, one with like uh, Michael Jackson. He, yeah, he was like a, he was like he was like uh, bigger Long's accomplice or like his his uh, his co-slave catcher. But you know, he actually ends up changing his mind. Like he start he he sees um, he sees Harriet leading a group of slaves across the river, and like something changes in him where he could have like gone back and and told the squad like, hey, this is where they are. They're crossing this river right now. But he 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 sits there and he watches them cross the river, and I guess he's so inspired by it that he then joins her movement. But you notice that like bigger Long is just like this hulking bearded dark-skinned fucking mm-hmm. brute right like he's 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 more imposing than anybody else on that patrol yep um but the the guy that he was uh, uh his his accomplice was slight he was, he, he was dressed like a dandy yeah he's a smaller more slight of build and he was a light-skinned dude and i'm like come the fuck on like how many how many signals do you need to give here as to like what kind of masculinity is acceptable and what kind of masculinity has to be stamped out yeah but also he was also, he was a coward before he turned good, but he was also someone who was not a sexual threat. He was kind of emasculated in a way. He was just kind of like he gave me kind of a unique. He was wearing appearance. a pur- He was wearing a violet colored cloche hat. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like again, you know, and the fact that like Bigger Long is dressed all in black. You know, he's on a black horse and he looks so big. It's almost like he's, it looks like, like a regular sized man riding a pony is what this guy looks like on his horse, right? So just like the, you know, the, you, you compare his like diminutive accomplice to this, uh, this main slave catcher, who's like the most imposing and terrifying character in the entire film. And it's just like, what are you trying to tell your audiences exactly? Like if you imagine, you know, I don't like to do the whole, like, what are white people going to think about this? But if you already have people that have ideas about what uh, large and dark skinned black men are like, that they are, they're already perceived as a threat that uh you know when you when you're in close confines with them you got to make sure to like hold your person have like 91 dialed on your on your phone what ideas are you giving people to walk away with when they leave this movie yeah that's very true uh, i'm gonna say something real quick by the way i'm sorry i spread misinformation i confused a slave patrol entry with a slave catcher entry and the slave catcher entry is the one that's uh, that slave patrols is the book that the entry cites but mm. slave catcher is the actual entry that that uh I don't know why there's a slave catcher and slave patrol um entry, but slave catcher is the one that says the following: contrary to popular belief, slave patrols were not comp- composed solely of men. Women who owned slaves also took part, but no cases of free blacks hunting slaves were recorded in Virginia and the uh, um, Carolinas. There are reports of black slave catchers in Ohio and Pennsylvania, but again, that's not, uh, that says reports and it's still not totally uh, corroborated. Uh, but basically, no one could actual corroboration of slave catchers. I mean, I mean, but particularly bounty hunters, you know, because a lot of the slave catching that was actually described is people being used to lure some black people. Like, and it's not sure if they're doing it under duress. If they're doing it for a reward, but even if they're doing it because somebody's hiring them to do it, they're still not an actual. They're not bigger long hunter. Yeah, <laughs> they're not which bigger is what, long. Which exactly? Can we just get? get it? 
Never mind. I was gonna say, can we get into the, the okay, that so name, the name itself? The name, the name actually <laughs> pissed me off because I don't know if yeah. you've ever read uh, James Baldwin's criticism of Richard Wright's book Native Son. Um, but when James Baldwin criticized Native Son, he criticized not just the uh, the name of Bigger Thomas, who was the main character in that book, but he also criticized you know the genre of the protest novel, right? Uh-huh. And basically, basically, he's saying that like the kind of book that you have to write in order to essentially uh, make a plea for Black humanity and essentially like wrap it up into novel format actually hurts the cause because it's like you have to invent something so wretched that white people are forced to sympathize with it it's like i'm I'm super condensing what baldwin's argument was but to take so knowing that knowing that that criticism already exists knowing that like the genre of the protest novel you know by somebody that we consider like a you know a, a, a intellectual heavyweight and a luminary making a movie like this which to me strikes as like a um and as far as the genre goes to me it comes across as a protest movie not protesting the conditions of slavery but protesting the conditions of there are not enough of us behind the you know behind the camera writing scripts producing etc 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 so it's like let us let us in and we'll make more movies like this like it was it's almost like a peon to having excluded people uh, involved in the movie industry right yeah. so for them to come up with the name because it's obviously a direct reference to bigger thomas who in native son um was accused of rape and had actually murdered a white woman mm. oh okay to take the name bigger do you remember do you remember the, the story of native son right where like uh you know this yeah. guy's working working in this white people's house and then um the uh the daughter comes onto him drunkenly one night and uh when the mother who walks into the room while this is happening she happens to be blind bigger thomas takes the pillow puts it over the daughter's face to stop her like you know from crying out so that oh. he wouldn't be implicated but then the act of him trying to like protect himself from being implicated well he ends up he ends up killing her oh shit. Um, and then he actually ends up killing you know his girlfriend in the story too so like the this it starts off as like somebody who's already like at the dregs of society and then he pushes himself even lower by essentially living up to what the stereotype of the black male brute really is so to take that transplant the name and reference it in the movie and give him the name bigger long which is like like how how much more on the nose can you re- reference the black male phallus right that like that that to me i don't know like, as somebody but you, who you re- reads and review so somebody who like i review books um as as part of like my journalistic endeavors mm-hmm. you know and so i have to actually like suss out those historical and literary nuances and figure out okay so the person is including this element you know in reference to this this and this and when i see something like that i'm like like you're not even trying to fucking hide it like this is, right. this is absolutely ridiculous I, I would that's something where if somebody put um, a book like that in front of me describing what this movie described, I'd be like, how did this even get past the editors? Oh. Like, how, how, how is this allowed to be in the final product? Uh, yeah, I just looked at it as the phallic reference. I didn't even know about the the uh, the other tie into it as well. That's that's a damn good catch, Andre, man. Good. Bravo. Yeah. yeah. Man. And then we throw in the fact that he's talking about all the white whores he wants to do that also um bigger thomas the one from native son his kind of downfall was was a white woman you know and it ties into that too but what i think it's trying to do what this movie i think is really messed up about is i think it's really trying to tie into that uh slave play type of crowd you know that crowd that one thing i do want to uh mm-hmm. one thing i do want to flag here is that uh you know in um in the novel native son bigger thomas 
kills his girlfriend with his bare hands mm. right so like oh. you know so and that, he happens, and that happens here too yeah exactly he referenced bigger thomas and native son uh kills kills the white woman uh whether you want to say it was by accident or through negligence or whatever he kills the white woman um and then to avoid being caught uh because his girlfriend was going to run away and tell on him he kills her with his bare hands and in this movie uh bigger long references you know, all the white horse to last me from to a Lancer or whatever he said, but then later beats and stomps Janelle Monet's character, Mary Buchanan, beats her to death. Yep, yep. And and um and that was the most shocking act of violence that happened in the entire movie. Mm-hmm. It was the most gratuitous um, violence. In a slave was. movie, in a movie about slavery, the most shocking act of violence happens at a dark skinned, large black man's hands. Like that was fucking disgusting to me. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was it was something. I mean, the whole thing too is like with the bigger Thomas adding the long to it just makes it sound pornographic. On top of that, like bigger long. So so in addition to like the psychosexual stuff, you know, you had the black brew, and his name is bigger long. And to tell you how bad it was, right? I didn't even think about this, but when it was time for me to, I was trying to Google the name Bigger Long so I could like uh, do some research for this episode. Did I put uh, black? Blacked.com actor's name to you. What's that? Is that not like a blacked.com actor's oh. name? Does it not oh, strike oh, you oh, as oh, black? Oh, oh, yes, oh, oh, totally. Oh, totally. Oh, totally. But that's what I mean. Like I Googled Bigger Long um, Black Harriet. All that came up was like a whole bunch of like porn stuff, you know? Wow. And I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> that actually makes sense because, you Why know, just naming Wesley Pipes. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Mandingo. What's wrong with that? But, but you know, to get back into the overall scope of the thing, uh, I want to go back to the beginning, right? So the movie, this is a big problem in the movie. The movie, she says this over and over to the point of being annoying. I'm talking about the creator of the movie, but not just the creator, but various different people. If you Google like Harriet, superhero a whole bunch of stuff comes up like the to anyone who would listen the 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 director kasi lemons kept telling everybody uh that you know she wants to make her a superhero so it's like npr superhero journey of harriet tubman now on film a variety had a video harriet harriet star cynthia revo explains why harriet tubman is a superhero uh everything superhero superhero um harriet paul Tazewell, the designer, dressed Cynthia Revo as a superhero, and so forth and so forth. I, deadline, um, real-life superheroes fight the power, and then talks about Harriet Tubman. And what's interesting is, like, they made it very literal. Like, this thing totally done like a Marvel movie or like Batman Begins. It follows all the tropes. And if you oh. look at those movies... Except for maybe when, except for maybe when they show Batman's parents get killed, that's the only time they really showed him as a kid. But most of the time, ninety percent of superhero movies start right before they get their powers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, so it's like with the exception of Batman, you know, which has a kid scene usually, like like Spider-Man movies. He's Peter Parker getting on the school bus. And like in 15 minutes, he's getting bit by the spider. In Iron Man, it's, it opens with him in the desert on the mission uh, with his weapons like Tony Stark. And on that same mission, a bomb hits him. Like almost all of them always start with, you know, right before. And this thing started just like that, like note for note. Uh, Andre used the example of that book, Save the Cat, like that screenwriting guru book that every single screenwriter uses now to make modern movies. Or The Hero's Journey, which is another template that people use like it's a total trope filled movie the movie is just it's not trying to be like a biopic it's It's not black film the way that i recognize it it's not black film or black storytelling oh no it's not even that it's not even biopic it's more 
superhero origin story. It's, it's not, not a, a biopic. biopic. It's yeah, not it's a, a biopic. superhero origin, origin story, note for note. I think that's kind of what hurts this movie is the first half, right? I was kind of forgiving. I'm like, okay, this is clearly meant to be like a superhero movie. And I was going to say that as a critique, but then when I ended up researching the movie, I, I found out that the lady actually said it. Like, it was intentional. She meant it to be a superhero movie. But I'm like, okay, so you know what? She intended it to be a superhero movie. Let me judge it as a superhero movie, even though I think it shouldn't even be one. Let me see if I can judge it on what it's going for. Okay. So I, the first half of the movie, Cynthia Erivo's bug-eyedness and meekness, I was thinking, okay, this is the superhero before he gets bitten by the radioactive spider, before he comes out of his shell, before he does the, the, the training montage and becomes whatever. So I think the second half of the movie is probably going to be when, you know, even though history is not like this, you know, it's probably going to be when she becomes a superhero. And I think they were going for that because in the second half of the movie, they write it now like she's different. Like, for example, her parents see her later and they treat Moses like her superhero name. And they treat it like a secret identity. She even does dress up. Like she dresses up like a man. They do all the superhero tropes. And it's clearly what they intend to be happening is, wow, she has transformed. This is the hero's journey. She's done the call to adventure. She's come transformed. She's come back from the call transformed. So people are acting like she's unrecognizable, but she's acting the same. She looks like she's the same person, but now she's come back in her big sister's clothes and trying to pull it off. But all the actors around her are trying to make up for it with the acting. So they're like, oh my God, you done change. Is that you? Like, like her parents can't recognize her. <laughs> and she's like, it's me. I'm now Moses. And it's like, bitch, you look exactly the same. You talking the same? You haven't changed a fucking bit. Like, like, so the first half of the movie, you can kind of forgive her two bug-eyed expressions or her always scaredness. But later on, she looks exactly the same. And it makes me wonder, why does everyone think this lady is such a great actress? I don't get it. Yeah, I haven't. She seems like someone's uh, pet project, man. Like, And I hate mm. to use that, that term for, you know, a black woman. She's, she's a Pygmalion. She's definitely that. My uh, fair lady. That's the only thing I could think of. Uh, somebody saw something in her and they said, you know, come hell or high water, I'm going to push this woman. And, and you know what's weird too, right? All these articles, all this conversation... Why is everyone rooting for her to get the EGOT? First, I hate this EGOT thing, right? EGOT, EGOT, EGOT. Everything's like, oh my God, she might get the EGOT. And you know what it reminds me of? I remember when somebody was coming close to uh, taking somebody's record. I think it might be one of Will Chamberlain's records. And they asked Will Chamberlain how he felt about it. And if I'm wrong, this is not Will Chamberlain. You know, please forget, please uh, correct me. But it's not even really important if it was him or not. But I'm pretty sure it was him. They were kind of expecting the usual, like, platitudes and, you know, well, it's a new generation and I'm glad and I, it was a good run. But Will Chamberlain is like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. <laughs> that, that's bullshit. And, and everyone was kind of shocked. He's like, why? And he goes, back in my day, people were trying to keep you from getting the record. But now, this whole season, everyone is talking about this guy getting the record. And the other players are actually trying to help him. Like, all the uh, people on his team are passing. Like, everyone's feeding him the ball. Like, everyone's trying to help him get that record. All the announcers are going for it. The newspapers have the stories written already. It's like, it's not the same. It's like, my play... My, when I was playing, none of my teammates were trying to help me get the record. We were trying to win. The other side wasn't trying to root for me to get the record. And I feel like this is the thing with this EGOT thing now. For some reason... Oh, man. So she's she's like Damn. 2019 season James Harden. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, people, <laughs> oh, wow. People, Uh-oh. People, yeah, people <laughs> just trying to help her get this record. So they're pretending that she's doing an Oscar-worthy performance. Because for some reason... 
vicariously living through her or whatever, they somehow want her to get this EGOT. So there's nothing Oscar worthy going on. That kind of that's kind of what I talk about when I um because I bring up uh, the phrase representational politics a lot. Like that's that's something I talk about where like just the uh, the mere act of being seen in this company, like in this like uh this vaunted company that you know you've 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 won these four awards. It's like great, we have another black person who's been able to make this dollar accomplishment. And I'm like, but what does that do? for black people as a whole like i mean good for them and everything you know good for actors who are able to do that but like it's not something that is incredibly inspiring to me personally and i i don't get like this stand culture where not only do you like uh stand for actors who have won that which i mean obviously it's a, it's, a, it's an amazing accomplishment and something that i couldn't possibly imagine but people who haven't even gotten there yet and you're just like you're making the case for them to get there and it's, and i think like the motivation behind that is is, is twofold one you believe that if they get an award or recognition of some kind or cast in a film or, you know, behind the director's chair or whatever, that it's going to make it easier for other people to come in behind them. And or you're trying to get access to them by being so publicly like uh, angsty about it. Like just, yeah, we, ha we, we have to be able to do this. Like we have to do this for the culture. Like if you're if you're just so publicly performative about it, you might open up an avenue for yourself. Except that like, just, like take a look at the world around us. What difference has that made in the material conditions in people's lives? Like sure, we're entertained by film. Sure, people are getting more opportunities and so forth. But like, what is the end result? Like what's, what what is the end goal that we're looking for here? Is it to like get more black people into the same system that we say misrepresents us? Because mm. the idea is that you're trying to push more black people into this industry that you call predatory that misrepresents black people that is exploitative and so forth but you're not actually challenging the structure of the system then what is it all for you have two you have competing philosophies man and, and one of the philosophies that that unfortunately has a very prominent place in those small circles is the people who want just a seat at the table you know they're not happy with trying to destroy that and control it and build their own. Yeah. They want that seat, man. And so, unfortunately, and I, I say this a lot. Yeah. I say, I say, everybody wants a seat at the table until the rest yeah. of the table decides that you are on the menu. Yeah. That. Oh man, that's a perfect. Yeah, that's perfectly stated. And but for something else too, like, what's the point of the egot if it's like it deserves an asterisk next to it? Because I feel like it does. Because basically. This EGOT is just basically something that's just like handed to you, you know, like I think they just asked like in the old days, they were really not trying to give those people. I mean, it wasn't fair, but in those old days, those people had to be exceptional to win those awards because white people just didn't want to fuck with them, you know, mm. and now it's like these people are mascots. It's totally different now. Like they're they're getting it because they're just being mascots and they've been uh, propped up to just. For whatever reason, they're like, uh, I don't want to use the word pet because that's dehumanizing. But right. yeah, yeah, I mean, they're just they're just total mascots, and it's it's yeah, ridiculous. But I don't know. I'm, I want I want to actually, you know what? Um, you guys can keep talking. I'm trying to pull up a clip to play, and I'm trying to pull it up. You guys can. It just seems to me that um, the financiers and the people with the money that that have the power to make things come or not happen or not happen in Hollywood. They are hell bent, man, on not allowing any type of um, assertive black imagery be shown on screen. Uh, they tanked the Nate Parker movie a couple of years back, the uh, Birth of a Nation movie. That was they, they're just not going to allow anything that shows any type of assertive action. It's going to be extremely watered down. Whatever we do get, and this is just another case of that, man. Um, and I don't. Unless we get somebody with some deep pockets to finance something independently, 
Um, I think it's going to because I didn't know this, but Viola Davis was actually slated to uh, she was trying to she was shopping around a Harriet uh, project back in like 2015. You know, this has been mm, a personal I, thing for her. And I think from what I, I think from what I heard, she might still be doing it. But uh, she was going to do it via is. HBO. And see, I, I always thought that if you were going to do a project like that and try to stay, you know, close to the history, as close to the historical truth as possible, it would probably be best to do it as a series because you could take your time and actually develop it as opposed to trying to cram everything together in a, in a uh, feature film. So I thought maybe that would be the best approach to take. And um, but yeah, they look like they it, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I said it looks like they uh, they leapfrogged her on that and tried to get their stuff out first, you know. And and and, that, and now she's doing it again with National Geographic. She's um, doing an Aretha Franklin thing with them. Jennifer Hudson was working on one, and and um, Aretha Franklin said she wanted Jennifer Hudson to play her. Yeah. And suddenly, like uh, Cynthia Reba now announces she's going to do this National Geographic, and again, it's like these these white people institutions are just rooting for her so bad, and I just don't see why. And to a degree, I think they can tell. I think because she's not eighty or West, whatever, and she's British. They kind of feel like we can deal with her, and it's and it's untethered, it's un it's unburdened, it's unshackled. We don't like when you deal with actually. Let me, let me play this. Let me play this clip. This is a clip it's I was right. looking for, but I think it's I think it's relevant. What's the? I hope it's quick. I hope it's not too long. But this is Michael Williams, the actor who played Omar, talking about his time in this in uh, Django. Right? I think it was Django. But, but listen, to this he's on the Arsenio Hall show, the new one. I'm gonna play it for you real quick. I almost waited for a while to watch that movie because I didn't know how I would be affected by it. To play the character and get as deep in it as I know you go, was it emotional? Was it hard to shake it at night and when the film was over? It was It was very hard um, to, to, uh, to get into that. There was a scene, unfortunately, it didn't make the film. Um, Steve, he shoots in, in, in series, which means like he won't yell cut. Sorry, it's 12 years of slavery. Running. He'll just go back to one, hurry up again, again. And they were shooting the scene where my camera, my, my, my character Roberts was being dragged to the slave ship and he was revolting. And he was frailing, you know, it's going crazy. And um, around the fifth time that we shot it, you know, Steve yelled cut and something came over me. I, I, don't, I don't know what it was, but I, um, I just, I fell to the ground and I, I couldn't stop crying and screaming. I'm like, ah! And, and I couldn't even get up off the floor. It was, um, it was surreal. And uh, the stunt coordinator, he got on the floor with me, a white man, and he, right. he cradled me in his arms, and he rocked me. He kept saying, it's okay, Mike, let it out. Mm -hmm. Let it out. And I screamed at the top of my lungs, man, for like what must have seemed 15, 20 minutes. And uh, like a cloud just passed over me, and I got up, and I was like, okay, let's, let's go. And um, I, I think what happened to me was I, I was given a glimpse into what our ancestors must have uh, went through. Yeah. Absolutely, dog. Mm. Absolutely. Hey, be back with more. That's Michael K. Williams. Right? Now, I think there's something about that historical trauma and whatever that, you know, I feel like probably a lot of white people are uncomfortable. Like, I think they, they kind of feel indicted in all that stuff when they're around that. But listen to Cynthia Arrivo give an interview about working on, on this now, right? On her movie. She's in the room with nothing but the white actors, right? And and here here's here's this clip. Um, and Joe and Cynthia, your your characters grew up together in the movie, and and you have a, a very a bond, a very unhealthy bond, but a bond. Um, how did you two work together on that relationship? Um, I 
I, I want to, I don't know, hopefully I did. I, I sort of wanted to make sure that he felt comfortable enough to have the license to, like, go as far as he needed to go in order to, to tell the story. Um, I didn't ever want him to feel like I was uncomfortable with our communication because we, we needed it. We needed it to tell everything fully. And he was, the, Joe is the nicest person. <laughs> the nicest person. So I know it, no, it was It's hard. true. No, it she's reaching back and, and taking his hand, like supporting him. License to, like, to, to allow us to really um, tell our oh, stories. Oh, poor you. It's a tough one. Um, and, but we needed both of us to come to the table as, as much as we did. Yeah. yeah, you can't see it, but while she was saying he's the nicest person, she reaches back like, like a mammy and takes his hand, kind of reassure him, you, you are good. And you can see the difference. Her concern is more with the white actor. Yeah. She's not, not bothered by it. That's not yeah. her history. That's not her. She's just coming in, like, swooping in. And I think why her acting is so bad, because she's not connecting to it really at all. This is oh. just a, a pageant to her. Like, like her concern for the white actors and assuring you that the white actors are good and that letting them know, hey, I'm giving you the license to know you're a nice person. I'm here. I'm not the, I think these white people like her. They know that she's going to cater to them. Whereas a black person might make them feel, in, like a, an ADOS person might make them feel indicted or might make them have to face something they don't want to face, you know? And they're so afraid of being seen as bad people. But what she shows in that moment to me, I think is a problem with the whole damn movie. The whole damn movie writ large Passionless. is that dynamic. That whole, that, that whole movie is about telling white people they're not so bad. So like slavery is just broken down to like three or four slaps. There's like almost nothing going on, you know, but uh, the, the black on black crime is like a black man beating and stomping a woman to death and trying to shoot another black woman and stuff but yeah like um they'll happily push that narrative there's actually more abolitionists and good white people than there are bad people it's like, it's like only like three or four slave owners who would take up most of the movie but tons of abolitionists there's one scene near the end where there's like a slave patrol but they're just basically like stooges they're subordinates to bigger long if if anything you know it, it's it's just the whole thing is just really um bizarre but that really shows how different the movie is with different types of actors and and yeah the whole movie is like the interview it's all about making white people feel good and i think that's why the interview felt that way and why she was hired because they needed someone like that well actually when you brought up um, michael k williams example that that reminds me of um joy degrees uh book post-traumatic slave syndrome mm -hmm. I, I don't know if you've read that uh, and yeah. Yeah, no, in in the book, like she doesn't she doesn't reference epigenetics, but she does talk about how the trauma of slavery is is passed down. And obviously like, uh, you know, um uh, Cynthia Erivo is a British person, but she's of Nigerian ancestry. And while Nigerians uh encounter like atrocities at the hands of the British, it's not it's not the same kind of history. Whereas Michael K Williams, like when I when I heard the interview for the first time, I was like, "Oh my god, like that is that's traumatic shit. Like that's Yeah. That's like that's that's the pain of your ancestors ancestors flowing through you in that moment and in the as actually i have uh joy degrees book up in front of me with highlights and everything because this, this is what i do for a living but she wrote something in that book that that really like struck me as as uh being relevant to what he was talking about and he said that like the the greatest impact of slavery was the daily efforts of the slave owners uh, and others in authority to break their will. Free will is at the core of being human. So imagine what it's like to have your will assaulted on a daily basis. You're, oh, you live in a society man. that constantly reminds you you are no different from livestock and in some cases less valuable. CLR James said uh, in his book, uh, The Black Jacobins, that the same um, stick that was used to beat a horse was also used to beat the slaves. 
Ugh. Back to Roy Degree's book, when you tend to express yourself, you're beaten down. When you try to protect your loved ones, you're beaten down. You're beaten down until you call the most cruelest and vile man you know master. And God forbid you attempt to be educated or think for yourself. So imagine what that's like for Michael K. Williams, who is of that lineage and that ancestry. Even though he's filming a movie, and this is completely make-believe, to be catapulted back into that situation and have to act out the part that his ancestors literally had to live out. Like, that is fucking traumatic. Right. Yeah. And and for some you know, for someone to sit in front of an audience and and, and to me it was like it came away as like like sort of like hand waving away the atrocity of what slavery was about. And to me this movie does that in a lot of ways as well. And and that is and even though Twelve Years a Slave had its own problems, I I, I I'd venture to say that what it attempted to do was introduce Americans firsthand into that atrocity in a way that I don't think had been done in, in popular film since Roots. And I think we're gradually moving away from that and more towards like a reconciliation that begins with forgiveness on the part of uh, descendants of enslaved peoples. And, and that to me is, that's, that's egregious. All right, y'all. So that is the end of part one. Go to, again, patreon.com forward slash champagne sharks or click the link in the show notes to get part two. Be good.